Come on, thank them. Thank God for them. These young guys, they're learning. They're learning. They're developing and they're stepping to the plate and they're growing in God. And uh, trust me, as a pastor, I really, 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 really appreciate them. Amen. And, and um, they're developing. Amen. And we're being, what's wrong? All right. Did I get it? Thank you, Mama Berta. <laughs> Praise God. So uh, we appreciate them. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles again. Second, uh, for John 3, 2 Timothy 3. All right, from John 3, we're going to read two verses, verses 3 and, and 6. Verses 3 and 6. Y'all have it? Okay, let's read John 3, 3. Ready, read. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, verse 6, please. Verse 6, ready, read. That which is born of the flesh... And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Awesome. All right, flip over to 2 Timothy 3, please. 2 Timothy 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. 1 through 5. You have it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Again, verse 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people, turn away. Amen. Father God, today, thank you for giving us opportunity to share this time in the Word of God. I pray that, God, you'd let the anointing that's upon me and upon your people, let there be an exchange in the Spirit, O oh God, that every heart that's ready to receive will receive the seed of the Word sown into good ground, good soil, that it may produce in us the hundredfold return you've sent it to produce. And I pray, Father, that each person will truly embrace the revelation, the wisdom, the instruction that comes from the Word of God today. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, you are here. You have angelic hosts here. The blood of Jesus Christ is here. And so we bind every demonic force that would try to stop the flow of the Word. And we loose your anointing to work and operate this place and protect this atmosphere, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, guys. Again, verse 5 says, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. We're continuing on our series we've been talking on. We're picking up again on unhooking from the natural. And today I want to talk on this subject, embracing the supernatural. Embracing the supernatural. Can you say that with me? Embracing the supernatural. Now, Pastor, why is it important for us to keep hearing this? Why is it important for me to keep preaching this? Well, uh, my, my nephew Saxton, my biological nephew, now my spiritual son, Saxton, that's a powerful young man of God. Something he said was so powerful. He said, what we preach is what we get. 
what we preach is what we get. And so that's why obviously God has had us on this subject for all this year, 2022, on the spiritual, on becoming more spiritual. You know, we're fasting this Friday. Well, why are we fasting all this time? Because we got to be more spiritual. Because we live in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. And I listened to, in fact, uh, was watching Dr. Bill Winston this morning, his message, talking about how in the last days we got to have more signs, wonders, and miracles. Because the devil is increasing his technology. He's increasing all he does in the earth. And we've got to have something greater than what he has. And that's the supernatural power of God. Can you hear me on this? And so it's important that we keep preaching the supernatural. It's important that we keep preaching on the power of God. It's important that we keep preaching on being spiritual because God needs the people of God to be spiritual and not natural. To be supernatural and and watch this, not superficial. And that's what I'm going to deal with today is because God wants us to leave the superficial and embrace the supernatural. Can you hear me on that? All right, now, we've been talking about how 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. So we're in Christ, right? Christ is the anointed one of his anointing, right? And so we're in Christ. Then we talked about, uh, from Colossians 1.27, how this is a mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 But over here now, we see Christ is in us. So we're in the anointing, then we see the anointing is in us. We're in the anointed one, then we see the anointed one is in us. And he's the hope of glory. And I was sharing this with you a few weeks ago, that if we don't have Christ in us and we're not in Christ, there is no hope of glory. Not for us and not for the people around us. Tell your neighbor, this is bigger than you. This is more than just about you. This is more than just about us coming to church and having a good time, if we can muster up a good time. This is about God using us in the earth in these last days to demonstrate his power in the earth so people will be drawn to his son, Jesus Christ. Because, you know, the devil is increasing the revelation of his power. I heard Sister uh, uh, Liz, who comes here on Wednesday nights, uh, she talked about this. Uh, right after Roe v. Wade was overturned, she talked about how the, the increase of witchcraft that they begin to see right here in this city. Now, witchcraft has already been here. It's already been working here. Everybody with the crystals and the bowls and the, and the sage, and the, it's witchcraft. But how, how there's a, an increase in the witchcraft activity, even the covens are increasing their activity in, in, in this area. Are y'all Okay. I said, are y'all okay? So the devil is increasing the demonstration of his power. And if the people of God are shrinking back into a closet, the people of God are, are, are content with superficial Christianity, then we don't have anything to counter what the devil's doing. And we have the real power. I said, we have the real power. God demonstrated that. Remember when, when Moses went down to Egypt and, and they cast those rods down, those, his rods turned into a snake, and then Pharaoh sent his men out, and they did the same thing. They're magicians. They turned their rods into snakes. But what happened? God's rods ate up Pharaoh's rods because God has the greater power. Hallelujah. 
on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18 when, when, uh, when, when, uh, when, when you had Elijah there on Mount Carmel. And you got these prophets of Baal, and they're talking about how they serve their God. And so he said, Let, hey, let's have a showdown. We're going to see whose God is the real God. He said, the God who actually answers by fire. Remember I preached that a few weeks ago? The God who answers by fire. He said, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. We're going to see who's the real power. Now listen, you got to understand that they, those prophets of Baal, those demon gods have real power. The people weren't serving them for no reason. They saw things. Do you remember uh, in the book of Acts, this man named Elymas, the sorcerer? who he was seducing the people, showing all kind of power and uh, magic tricks and wonders and signs by demon power. You got to catch it, ladies and gentlemen. So the devil has some power he's demonstrating. And if we shrink back into superficial Christianity, then guess who wins all of our children? I'm going to come over here. Guess who wins all of our children? I don't want my children following demon power. My grandchildren to come. I don't want them following demon power. I want them following the true living God. So it's up to you and me to demonstrate the power of the living God. Y'all got this. All right, now, so we've been laboring until Christ has formed us, right? Galatians 4.19, we've been talking about that. Okay. Now, let me go right to John 3. Let me, let me skip a little bit of this here because y'all got enough review. I think my, my daughter Liddy was going through and editing my notes said I had too much review in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I have too many scriptures. But I figure we ought to have enough scriptures that you don't get my opinion. That you don't get my opinion. You get the word of God. See, because if I give you the word of God, if you don't like it, you don't, you don't argue with me. Okay? So let's go back to John 3. John 3. And we see there in John 3, verse 3, you know Jesus talking to who? Jesus talking to who? Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus Christ by night and says to him, hey, no one can do these signs unless God is with him, unless he comes from somewhere else. So we know it's got to be something special about you. Jesus Christ answers and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, right, he cannot what? He cannot see the kingdom of God. So I've taught you about being born from above. Y'all remember those messages? And so if we're born from above, he says, we can see the kingdom of God. We can see the kingdom of God. So, again, he said, if you're not born again, you can't see. So, which implies if we are born again, we can see. How many born again people do I have in here? Then you can see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to show you the kingdom of God is not church. The kingdom of God is not a choir and a praise team and an usher board. We've made the kingdom of choir uh, bake sales and pie sales and rummage sales. I'm doing kingdom work. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not charity work. Those are all wonderful things, but that's not the kingdom of God. So you and I who are born again, we can see the kingdom of God. Y'all got it? 
Now look at Romans 14, 17. Well, Pastor, what is the kingdom? Romans 14, 17. Jesus, uh, Paul says this rather. Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not, we see what is not, eating and drinking. Which means the kingdom of God is not natural. It's not these natural things we do. It's, not, it's nothing superficial. He says, but it is righteousness, come on, and peace, and peace come on, and joy. and joy in the Holy Spirit. I like to say the Holy Ghost. King James says the Holy Ghost. So it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. Now that is supernatural. Righteousness is supernatural. This peace is supernatural. This, it didn't say righteousness and quiet. It said righteousness and peace. Do y'all know peace is supernatural? Peace is supernatural because you can have peace in the midst of chaos. Jesus was asleep on the, in the middle of a storm on, in the ship. That's a supernatural peace because the disciples were freaking out in the same storm. But they're natural. So natural that when he calmed the storm, they asked this question, what man or man is this? What kind of man is this? Because they couldn't conceive of that kind of peace in the middle of a storm. So peace and, eat and this joy, they are supernatural. They're not natural. Y'all got it? So we're seeing what the kingdom of God is. Let's go to another scripture here. Show me um, 1 Corinthians 4.20. 1 Corinthians 4.20. Hallelujah. Can I talk to you here? 1 Corinthians 4.20. We're going to put our eyes on this. 1 Corinthians 4.20. Because I'm here to stir you up. I'm here to stir you up. I'm here to stir you up into the supernatural. I'm here to, to jerk you out of your superficial Christianity. I'm, I'm here to jerk you out of just coming to church. I'm here to jerk you out of just, just giving a little offering. I'm here to jerk you up into the supernatural. Hallelujah. Look at what it says. Now, remember we're talking about, he says, if you are, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom, which implies if I'm born again, I can see the kingdom. Now, we just saw the kingdom is not meat and drink, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let's see what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So the kingdom of God is not in words. It's not just mere talk, but it's in power. Somebody say power. Now, y'all know this word power, the Greek word uh, dunamis or dunamis, that dynamic. It's, it's the power to perform miracles. Right? Y'all know that, right? So the kingdom of God is not in word. So it's not in come up here and do good preaching. It's not, a, not, a, not in you going around doing good talking. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in what? In power. Give me that same verse in the easy-to-read version. Am I going too fast or too slow? Hallelujah. We're going to do Goldilocks on y'all. This pastor going a little too fast. <laughs> little too slow. Easy to read version. God's kingdom is not seen. Okay, y'all remember? Remember John 3, verse 3. If you're born again, you will see the kingdom of God. So God's kingdom is not seen in talk. That's very important. Because it's up to us to manifest the kingdom. 
Are you with me? That's a big word in the modern society. Manifesting. I'm manifesting. I'm manifesting. Listen, you ain't manifesting nothing but demon stuff. If you're not doing it God's way, it's just demon stuff. No, we're called to manifest the kingdom of God. The Bible says the whole earth, Romans chapter 8, is waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. Yes, sir. Am I right about this? Yes, Any Bible people do I, that I have here? Okay, so we have to manifest the kingdom of God. And it's not talk. It's not seen in talk. We've talked to our cousins. We've talked to our friends. We've talked to our coworkers. We've talked to our neighbors, and they're not yet saved. Because the kingdom is not seen in talk. Oh, man. But in power. They got to see something. See, you and I walk by faith and not by sight. But the world walks by sight and not by faith. So they have to see something. So for them to see the kingdom, they don't see talk. They see power. That's what moves this generation today is when they see power. Whether it's financial power, whether it's, it's physical power. They got to see something more than what they have. So the kingdom of God is not seen in talk but in power. Now give me the Passion Translation, please. Same verse, the Passion Translation. Hallelujah. Y'all sit with me here. I'm going to keep moving very fast here. For the kingdom realm of God... The kingdom realm of God comes with power, not simply impressive words. Oh, my. Not simply impressive words. You ever heard somebody, they sound like a walking dictionary? Talking like, talk, like a walking thesaurus? They sit there, they're preaching, boy, so eloquently, and I need a thesaurus. Like, wait, wait, let me Google. What is that? What is that? Y'all Siri, whatever y'all use. Let me write that down and check that out later. Impressive talk. Impressive words. Impressive words. But the, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom realm comes with power. I wish I had three more amens. I'll keep going. So the kingdom realm of God comes with power, not simply impressive words. Now let's go to another place here. Go to Matthew 12, 28. Matthew 12, 28. Y'all remember Jesus? He ministered this way. Go to 12, 28. In fact, let's start at 27. Verse 27. Let's start at 27, please, media. Jesus says, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Because they were casting out demons too. He says, therefore, they shall be your judges. Watch this. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, what, wait, what did he say? Hey, y'all reading with me? If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then what happens? Surely what? So he says, when you see this power overpower the power of demons, he says, it's because the kingdom has come upon you. The kingdom showed up. So he's not just out there preaching. He's not just out there teaching. He's not out there just simply giving impressive, persuasive words. But he's demonstrating power to the people. Glory to God. He says, if you see this, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Y'all got it? Well, that's Jesus. What about us? Okay, let's go to Luke 10. Let's go to Luke 10. Let's walk this down here. 
Luke 10, let's go to verse 8 and verse 9. In Luke 10, verse 1, you see Jesus Christ, he sends out 70 disciples. Two by two, they're going to go out and preach everywhere. 70 disciples, which means this is not just the 12 apostles. This is 70. These aren't the high, this is not Peter and James and John. This is not those guys. This is 70 disciples. No names. Thank you, Holy Ghost. No names. You never even see their names recorded anywhere in the scripture. But God uses some no names. No titles. No name, no title. No collar, no robe. No certificate. No degree. He sends some nobodies out with some power. And watch what he says in Luke 10, verse 8. He says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Now, why is he telling them that? Let me just pause here and throw that in because I, I didn't see this earlier. But the reason he tells them that because they were going to enter some cities where there was going to be some idol worshipers. Remember, Paul talks about that. He says, when you go to, to a place and there's some idol worshipers, he said, they might sacrifice meat to idols. He says, now, if you don't know it, go ahead and eat it without your, your conscience having a problem with it. Hallelujah. Some of y'all, God might call you to a mission field somewhere, to some country where they sacrifice the idols. And you don't know that. But what you going to do, fast? No, he says, you go ahead and eat. Because the power on the inside of you is greater than the power that they're putting in that meat. Oh, boy, I don't know if y'all. Lord, are they ready for this? Lord, are they ready? He says, whatever they put in front of you, eat such things as are set before you. Because you're walking in power. Now watch verse 9. He says, and this is to the, to the no-names. This is the no names, Brother Jonathan. He says, and heal the sick there and say to them, come on. The kingdom of God has come to you. So when you demonstrate this power, heal the sick, then say. So the kingdom is not about having the fanciest building. And I believe God wants us to have the fanciest buildings. The kingdom is not, not about having the, the, the most high-tech equipment. I believe God wants us to have all the high-tech equipment. It's not about having all the famous, the most, you know, eloquent uh, the murals and all these artistic works. And that's all wonderful. We'll, we'll have all those things. But that ain't the kingdom. Because you can go into grand, great cathedrals all over the world and go there and walk out sick, walk out lame, walk out blind, walk out maimed, walk out diseased, walk out depressed, walk out demon-possessed. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me today. Because there's no power. Paul, I'm, I'm here to jerk y'all up, okay? Just so y'all don't get mad. I'm, I'm here to jerk you up. No power. So Jesus said, when you go out and you heal the sick. Now, you talked about casting out devils already, right? He says, when you go heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So healing the sick is a kingdom power work. Got it? The kingdom is supernatural. It's not natural. It's not about, I mean, we, we like to dress up, but 
Dressing up is not paramount to the kingdom. I'm going to come over here. We like to look nice. You look cute. But that's not what's important to the power. That's just for us, some of us, a way of honoring the king. But you can be in shorts and sneakers and got the power on you. I don't care if you got a robe that costs you $5,000. This big old, you know, preachers come in these big old robes, and they all looking nice and everything. And I'd much rather a guy with some, some, some chucks on or something if he got some power. Because your robe ain't going to fix my problem. Now, to each his own. If people want to wear robes, let them wear robes. I'm not picking on them. They can wear a robe all they want to. But I'm talking about that's not, that's not symbolic of power. I don't need no symbols. Y'all are missing. And thank you, Holy Ghost. And that's what the superficial church is. The superficial church has gotten caught up in the symbols. I'm going to get to that scripture on form of godliness. Gotten caught up in symbols. I mean, I, I, I noticed growing up that the out, that communion table, you know we have that communion table out here? Well, we, our communion table is just a regular table you get from, you know, uh, home goods. Did y'all grow up in church? Yes. Now, your, your church, didn't get, you didn't get your, your community from home goods. You had to get that full, formal communion table that said, you know, on the front, this do in remembrance of me. Y'all remember that table? All etched and fancy, and you couldn't sit on it, you couldn't lean on it, you couldn't, couldn't touch it. And people, you know, the mothers would come, and they, they'd, have, they'd put the sheet up. White gloves, you couldn't, you couldn't even see what was going on behind the, the table. They was doing all kinds of stuff. What are they doing behind that sheet? You didn't know that they could have been spiking your little grape juice. Uh, you know what they was doing. But they were doing all these things, and they were all symbolic. But most people don't know that you can receive the Lord's Supper and receive physical healing in your body. But if all you understood was the symbolism and not the power, all you got was the symbol. Hallelujah. People understand the symbol of the cross and bishops got to have the big cross hanging down and have the cross tucked into their pocket. You know, they got the symbol of the cross. Wonderful. We got the symbol of the cross on the top of the church. But the cross is power. It's more than just cross. There's power behind it. The devil's tricked the church into slipping back into superficial Christianity. But we're not going to be that church, are we? I said, we're not going to be that church, are we? Now, let me go over here something here. Okay, so go back to uh, John 3, 6 real quick. John 3, 6. I'm going to hit this just for one second here. John 3, 6. That which is born of this flesh is what? 
flesh and that which is born of the spirit is what? So there's flesh and there's spirit. There's flesh and there's spirit. If you're born of the flesh, you are flesh. If you're born of the spirit, you are spirit. Flesh is natural. Spirit is supernatural. Does that make sense, everybody? You don't have to be deep to understand that. Flesh is natural. Spirit is supernatural. So what happens, the devil wants us to embrace the flesh rather than embrace the spirit. But when you've been born again, we're supposed to embrace the spirit. Embrace the supernatural aspect of our lives, not the natural aspect of our lives. Am I right about this? That's why your Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So embrace Christ, embrace your supernatural status, embrace your spiritual status, and let that natural status um, die. That's, that's good. That's a good way to put it. Let it die. I'm not talking about you dying. I'm talking about let that natural lower nature die. This is what unhooking is. See? This is what unhooking is. All right, now, let me keep going. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Y'all got it? Now, this is what I just showed you in John 3, 6. When you're born of the spirit, you are spirit. When you're born of the spirit, you are spirit. You are spirit. So spirit people are supposed to be spiritual. You're spiritual because you're born of the spirit. Got it? Which means your spirit man has to dominate everything from your flesh. Okay? So your flesh doesn't tell you what to do anymore. Your spirit tells you what to do. Got it? Okay. Now I'm going to keep moving here. So we're spiritual, which means we're supernatural. So I'm a supernatural being, right? And I live a supernatural life. Say it again. I'm a supernatural being. I live a supernatural life, which means I do supernatural things. Now, I brought this out to you a few weeks ago, Oscar, about how the devil has magnified all the superheroes in our society. They got all the uh, Marvel characters and all the, who are the other people? Uh, DC Comics and all those characters, and everybody gets all in a with all those characters. And it's a trick of the enemy to make you look at people who don't actually have any real powers and not see yourself as the ones who are actually carrying the real power, superhuman power. I hit y'all a couple weeks, a few weeks ago on this transhumanism. Do y'all remember that? I encourage you to go back over that message. Because we, <laughs> they're, they're trying to create transhumans now, but we are already transhuman. You remember this, this, this is the trick of the enemy, Keith. When, when the devil came to Eve and told her, he said, the reason why God didn't want you to eat of that fruit is because he knows that you eat of that fruit, you're going to be like him. But the trick was, Eve, you were already like him. You were already like God. So, so the devil's trying to get us to look at something and aspire to be something that God already made us to be. But if he pulls you out into all the comics and all the superheroes, you'll, you'll leave your supernatural, your spiritual status in Christ, and you'll go trying to grab hold of something that's superficial that the devil knows will not work. Y'all got it. 
One, one of the biggest things the devil that, that they put on the, all these comic characters, uh, uh, Marvel characters, whatever you call them, is this uh, immortality. And yet your Bible tells you that God so loved the world that he gave you. Come on, y'all know this scripture. His only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not but have. So what they're trying to talk about, you already have. The Bible says this is the record that we have eternal life. This is the record that we have eternal life. In other words, you're already living forever right now. You don't move into eternal life once you die. You're already living eternal right now. Well, Pastor, aren't we all going to die one day? Your body is. Your body's going to die, but you're not going to die. You <laughs> I'm going to say this and I'll move on. You don't need your body. Your body needs you. I know that might have gone over somebody's head. You don't need your body. Your body needs you. <laughs> Remember the example of the glove? If, if a glove is just a glove, it sits there, and a glove is nothing until a hand goes in it. Once the hand comes out of the glove, the glove just goes back to nothing. Your body is just your glove. Once your spirit leaves, see, when you, when you, as a believer, when you and I die, it's our spirit leaving our body. Are y'all catching this here? The only purpose of your body is to give you something to move around here in this earth realm. But that's not the real you. The real you is that inner man on the inside of you. Y'all got this here? So that's why, that's why God doesn't qualify you by your looks. Tell your neighbor a good thing. That's a good thing for you. Tell them that's a good thing for you. God doesn't qualify you by your looks. Because some of you might not make the cut if God qualifies you by your... <laughs> okay. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Let's get into this here. I want to finish on time. 2 Timothy th chapter 3. See, God has called us to do some things. Daniel 11, 25, God said, the Bible says that we're going to, those of us who know our God, we're going to be strong and do great exploits. So you and I are supposed to be doing some great exploits out here in this, in this earth realm. Y'all got it? So 2 Timothy 3, y'all know this scripture? Anybody ever read it before? Okay, look at this here. Verse 1. My Bible above this section entitles it Perilous Times and Perilous Men. It says, but know this, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. How many of y'all believe we're in the last days? Okay. Now, here's the signs of the last days, he says. For men will be lovers of themselves, check. <laughs> lovers of money, check. That's, that's covetous, right? He says boasters and proud. 
Now, pride is a major issue. This whole parade's about pride. Mm-hmm. Y'all ain't saying much to me. But it's more than just gay pride. It's black pride. American pride. Okay. God, is, God doesn't look well on pride. But I'm going to show you something all, all this ties together here. Then he says blasphemers. Blasphemer against the truth here. Disobedient to parents. Check, check. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Despising what's good. Now, I don't have time to go into all these. I've preached this whole section before. I'm just, I'm trying to get to another place here. Verse 4. Traitors. Headstrong. That's high-minded. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure more rather than lovers of God. Then verse 5. He sums it up by saying, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, when he says this, this means that the people he's talking about in this whole list, he's not looking outside of the church. He's looking at those who call themselves the church. Boy, can you say amen? Amen. So when you look at that list, I want us to just take our minds for another minute now off of what we see on the news and the people we hear about all in, this, in them streets. And look around in the church. Because he says this, then in the church there are people who are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're all in the church. Because he says that they are having or they have a form of godliness but denying, come on, So then these are not just signs of the last days. These are signs of a superficial church. This is superficial religion. Because he says they have a form of godliness. That's religion. Thank you, Lord. They're signs of superficial religion. Oh, my. Let, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this. Let's define superficial. Some of you may not be familiar with the word superficial. Let's define it for you. Superficial from the dictionary, and I actually compiled this from two different dictionaries. It means concerned only with the obvious or apparent. Concerned only. 
with the obvious or apparent. Next definition. Presenting only an appearance without substance or significance. Oh, it's getting hot in here. Presenting only an appearance without substance. Otherwise, it looks good, but if you pull back the cover, there's nothing to it. Sounds good, but if you check underneath the hood, there's nothing to it. When you go back behind the veil, there's nothing there. Presenting only an appearance without substance or significance. Now look at this last one. 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 Appearing to be true or real only until examined more closely. So what we have in the church, in superficial Christianity, are things and people uh, denominate, oh, I don't want to say denominations, organizations that look like they have something. And they present very well. And their presentation is what draws people. Their presentation is what snags people. Their presentation is what seduces people and say, that's it. Until you examine closely, more closely. But the problem with most Christians is most Christians aren't discerning enough to examine more closely. They go with what it looks like. And so because they never examine more closely, they don't even know that they're being duped into following something that's not even real. They're following something, they're, they're, they're living in a way that's superficial. There's no real substance to it. There's no, no, real, no real teeth to it. Because they're following things that appear to be true. They appear to be. Oh, that sounds good. That looks real. Well, look, people laid out on the floor in worship. Well, wonderful. Do you know that in rock concerts, y'all ain't saying that. Do you know that in rock concerts, people lay out on the floor? Because they get in such a, such a euphoric state. I watched those videos from Michael Jackson concerts and grown men. I, I never could figure that one out. Grown men. Oh. It's true. So you know, so just because someone falls out or lays out doesn't mean that they're in the spirit. In fact, if you allow this, that's one of the biggest problems with the whole charismatic movement. The charismatic movement is about feeling. I feel something. Oh, man. Even a lot of, the, of, our, of our, if you allow this word, if you know this word, CCM music. CCM music, contemporary Christian music. Even though, you know, I'm going to throw out some of the names y'all like, like the Maverick Cities and the, and the, and the Bethels and, and the wonderful music. There, there's some good stuff, but, but I, I, a lot of it, oh, Lord. A lot of it is soulish. And it, it's, it's meant to make you feel something and not designed for you to help, for you to make God feel something. 
it, it's meant, it's designed to move you and not move God. See, real praise and worship moves God. Real praise and worship is unto God. Real praise and worship glorifies God. And a great majority of this CCM music out there that people get all, ooh, I got a hell, I got Maverick, I got, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, listen, I have, I have those albums in my, in my playlist too. But I know how to, how to, how to uh, as we say, eat the meat and chew out the, spit out the bones. I have enough discernment to know that's, I, no, not that song, that song. Not that tune, that tune. See, but if you don't know that, you'll get caught up in this euphoric state. Oh, you know what? Oh, oh, I've been with God. But then you get up and go out and cuss it and get up and go out and sleep with somebody. You get up and go out and you doing all, wait, you ain't been with God? No, 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 you ain't been with God. You have had a form, but no power. Because power is going to change you. Power's gonna change you. Power's gonna change you. Y'all got me on this here. Can I keep going? Look, look at Luke 13. Luke 13. Because he said they have a form of godliness, but they, they are not a power thereof. He's talking about religion, superficial religion. And for Paul to the to the Christian church, he's talking about superficial Christianity. And many of God's people are stuck in superficial Christianity. And I want to make sure we're not stuck because God needs us. Tell your neighbor, God needs you. Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 10. I'm going to be done in just a few minutes. Boy, this is, this is, I got to get this into you though. Luke 13. This is now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Jesus teaching in the, on the Sabbath, right? Okay, verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 11, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, how long? And was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now, where is she again? In She's in the synagogue. And she'd been in this condition for 18 years. 18 years. Verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Just real quick, just easy, just... You're loosed. Verse 13. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. They probably hadn't heard, had praise worship like that in 18 years at least. Can you imagine that woman who couldn't raise herself up, and all of a sudden she can raise herself up, and she started glorifying God? Y'all remember last Sunday night when that man was up here? And y'all remember that? See, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to preach anything that we're not walking in now. That man's up here last night, and I got the story. He had had a car accident, a bad car accident, and he was scheduled for surgery. Would have been this uh, coming Wednesday, I think it was. Right? Or, I'm sorry, last Wednesday, that, 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 that coming Wednesday. And scheduled for surgery, and the insurance company was fighting him on the surgery. Didn't want to pay. Well, they ain't got to pay now. Because he got into the presence of God. See, if that was you, you would have been running all over this church. Got in the presence of God. We laid hands on him, and God healed his back. Pastor Caleb said, he, from Wednesday, he said he got a whole new spine. By the power of God. 
without surgery, without a scalpel, without a knife, without laser, without anything. The power of God healed that man. Y'all remember because he was like this. Y'all saw that he couldn't move. He couldn't move. All of a sudden, he started, oh, 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 wow, wow. He got a whole new spine on the spot. Oh, y'all say amen or something. And um, I brought it up because you remember when that happened, do you, do you remember how the atmosphere shifted the moment he, that happened? I mean, we were praising God. We were like, hallelujah, glory, lay hands. When that man all of a sudden, wow, praise God. And he's, man, it just, it just like a keg just went off in this place. See, when you see the power of God, when you actually encounter the kingdom of God, something supernatural happens, it'll shift the whole atmosphere. And God is, he had enough of these dead churches with no power. We go in three songs, three points, and a poem, and a prayer, and go home, and nobody's healed, nobody delivered, nobody's saved, nobody's set free, nobody's saved. God said, I had enough of that. And I'm telling you, he's getting ready to shut down every church. I, I said it. He's getting ready to shut down, Pastor Joshua, every church that keeps denying his power. Because these are the last days. And God needs people in the world to know, I have some people. I have some people who are walking in the power of God. I have some people who they've gotten past a form of godliness. No, these are real godly people. They're going to serve me. They're going to walk with me, and they're going to let me use them everywhere they go. So, okay, so she was made straight, and she glorified God, right? Look at verse 14. Now watch religion. Watch superficial Christianity. Watch the ones who have a form. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. He got upset because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. You see, his religion was more concerned about the Sabbath day than that woman who's healed. You remember how Jesus responds? He says, wait a minute. This woman who Satan has bound these 18 years, you don't think that she ought to be healed being a daughter of Abraham and she's been under satanic oppression, satanic bondage for 18 years and you're more concerned with it being Saturday than her being healed? Because religion is more concerned about the form. Religion is more concerned about did we, did we fold the, the communion sheet right? Y'all missed it. I, I'm just telling you what I, what I grew up seeing everywhere. They're more concerned about the, the you know, marching in right. The choir got to march in right. How many of y'all marched in with your choir back in the day? Choir number two? Who's choir number two? Choir number three? Choir number seven to eight? Okay. Third Sunday choir? Some of y'all remember Friendship, Third Sunday? Everybody's at Friendship on Third Sunday, Now I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Cookie? Man. Gail and Linton, all them, praise God. But, but I'm, I'm saying, 
we, we can get caught up in our form and miss the power. Hallelujah. All right. Look at verse um, verse 14. The ruler said to him, six days, okay, go back, go down to verse 15. Verse 15 now. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. Hypocrite. Now that sounds like a nice Jesus, doesn't it? That doesn't sound very gracious of Jesus, does it? That doesn't sound very loving. But how many of y'all know that love tells it like it is? And in my, the, in my Bible, I'm, it's on the screen like this. I'm not sure in your Bible, but there's an exclamation point. So it means he said, hypocrite. He didn't, like, he's like, thou hypocrite. He said, yo, hypocrite. That's really what he's. Listen to what hypocrite means. It comes from the Greek word hupokrites, hupokrites, which means an actor. Now, you got to catch this because I want you to see this is what the church is full of. Hello, somebody. The church is full of hypocrites. And I don't mean people who are sinning. See, when the world said the church is full of hypocrites, they mean because we see people, they go to church and then they're in the club or they're in the church and then they, you know, hook it up with somebody and they're in the church and I know they, I caught them drinking. That's what the world calls hypocrites. That ain't the ones Jesus called hypocrites. I'm talking about the ones Jesus called hypocrites. Because this ruler of synagogue wasn't out smoking, drinking, cussing. He wasn't out sleeping around. He wasn't doing that. He had every form of, he was the most pious person you would find. He kept every part of the law he could. He was doing everything right. And yet, in Jesus' eyes, he called him a hypocrite. So the real hypocrites to Jesus is not the ones who are they, they struggling in their walk with God? Y'all didn't say anything on this song. Come on and say See, there are people who are struggling in their walk with God. And the world say they're hypocrites. They're not hypocrites, they're just struggling. I'm, okay, I'm going to come on, because none of y'all ever struggled. Any of y'all ever struggled in your walk with God? You less, okay, I'm learning this thing, God. I, you know, I've, I've fallen a few times. It don't mean you're a hypocrite. It means you, you're learning. You're learning how to gain dominance over your flesh. I don't have it right now. I'm being sanctified. I'm growing in God. I'm getting better and better every day. Now, it's in my heart to serve God with everything I have, but there are times I've yielded to my flesh. So praise God. Thank God for his grace that has, his, he forgave me, and he's, his grace has given me power now not to do that. That doesn't make me a hypocrite. The real hypocrite in the eyes of God is someone like this who has all the forms of godliness and the not of power. 
Look at, the, look at the hypocrite, an actor. This is right from the concordance here. A stage player, a stage player, a pretender, an actor, watch this, under an assumed character. An actor under an assumed character. So this, I heard you say that, Peskin. So when a person says, uh, I'm a man of God, you say, I'm a man of God. Okay, man of God, prove it. I'll come over here. I'm a man of God. Well, prove it. Because it ain't just talk. I mean, call yourself a reverend. Call yourself a preacher, but don't call yourself a man of God. Paul said this. Paul said, truly the signs of an apostle were done among you. He said, if I'm not an apostle to anybody else, he said, at least I should be an apostle to you because truly the signs of an apostle were done among you. So we got a lot of folks that they call themselves apostle so-and-so, apostle this, apostle that, apostle this. and People act, act like apostle is like a promotion. You know, I started out as a teacher. Then I became an you know, assistant principal. Then I became a principal, you know, like, like, uh, like apostles. Well, I started out as a teacher in the body of Christ. And then, you know, I started as a deacon. Then I got promoted to a minister. I got promoted then to, a, you know, a teacher. And then, you know, I kept, kept working real hard till I became, a, you know, an apostle one day. That ain't how God called. That ain't, that ain't how the five of ministry work. God calls you. God puts that on you before you were born. God told Jeremiah before you were forming your mother's womb, I called you, I chose you, I ordained you to be my prophet to the whole world. So just because somebody calls themselves something and they assume a character, it's just a form, a performance. It's a performance. And, and the problem in the church is we got a lot of performers out there who pretending to be men of God or women of God. All they have is a form. They're performing. But nothing behind them. Now, don't just think about preachers, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about people in the, sitting right there in the pews in the chairs. I'm a child of God. Where's your power? Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Well, me? Yes. Remember, but you shall receive power. I got the Holy Ghost. Well, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Who, me? Yes, you. You, when you got the Holy Ghost, you got power. So don't go around and say, I have the Holy Ghost and you don't have any power. Hello? As you're saying, I don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying you don't have the Holy Ghost. What I'm saying is you've not allowed that power to work through you. Oh, man, it, time just flew by. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me wrap this up here. Let me wrap this up real quick. Okay. So, <laughs> Jesus. Religious people embrace the superficial. Kingdom people embrace the supernatural power of God. 
What's happened? The devil is drawing Christians away from seeking the supernatural to satisfaction with the superficial. And I don't want you satisfied with the superficial, ladies and gentlemen. What's superficial? Well, here, here, here's what the church has resorted itself to. Well, I attend church or I stream church from time to time. As if that makes you connected to it. I give a little bit of donation. Here's a big one in the church. Do random acts of kindness. Be nice. This is what I hear in the church world. We should be nice to people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the Spirit of God, being nice is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. I mean, that's the fruit of the Spirit. You, if you really have the Spirit led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, being nice, being nice is now your natural. But being nice doesn't get a devil out of your coworker. We're being nice to devils. I said, we're being nice to devils. Being nice doesn't get cancer out of your grandmother. Now, should we be nice? Yes, it's nice to be nice. But the world needs to see, people in the world are nice. I, in fact, I've met some people nicer in the world. All out, y'all. I've met some folk nicer in the world. Some of the members of my own church who are nicer to me. So nice is no big deal. But what's going to turn this world around is the power. Somebody say I'm embracing the supernatural. Oh, okay. Let me shut this down here. Give me Acts 4.33. I'm just going to give you two of these here. I got several more, Lydia. You missed a bunch of my scriptures. Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So power gives witness. Remember Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. This did, he didn't mean go witnessing. We're going witnessing. What y'all doing today on Saturday? We're we going witnessing this Saturday. Well, that's wonderful that you go witnessing. But the witness is power. You see, there's a difference in telling somebody about Jesus and showing them Jesus. Now, you may start out telling them, but at some point, baby, you got to show them something. Thank you, Lord. 
Go to Acts 5, 12 to 16. I'm, I'm pretty much out of time. Let me, sh- let me just give you this. Maybe we'll pick this up on Wednesday night. Acts 5, 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Keep going. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at, the, at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. This power here. Now my Bible heading causes continuing power in the church. That means the power continues to this day. Verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. That's power. Now listen, you remember Wednesday night I asked you all, uh, I preached on uh, anointed with power? Anointed with power. And I asked for anybody who was sick to come stand up, to come up here and stand up. And then rather than me come lay hands on everybody, I call for people, you come lay hands on them. Why is that? It's because it's this power is for you. This isn't just for me to walk in power. This is for you to walk in power. Because I don't go to your job. I don't go to your school. I don't live in your neighborhood. I'm not in your home. Pastor called, can you pray for me? No, pray for your family. Pray for yourself. Now, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. But I'm not going to pray and you go to the mall. Got me on my face before God and you out there gallivanting. No, I ain't going to do that. No, you pray first. I'm going to join my faith with yours. So God wants you and me to walk in this power. To do this, we've got to embrace the supernatural. Now, I got a testimony. Where's Letitia? I thought I saw Letitia. Oh, there she is. Come share this testimony with us. I want y'all to hear this. Remember, so Wednesday night, I had y'all stand up. Those need to be healed. And uh, then I had somebody, I think it was 12 people, right? Then I had 12 come lay their hands on them to be healed. Now, Letitia wasn't here Wednesday night. Okay, so tell them what happened Wednesday night. Now, I, just, I want you to know this. I want you to know how, I'm going to let you talk. I'm talking about power. I'm talking about us not being superficial. Like we just come to church and just sing a couple songs and go home because we're trying to own our way to po folks somewhere. Time is out for that. We got to get over that. We all, we think, come to church, think about what we got on the stove. Hey, we're just performing. I don't want to pass a superficial church. And I know we're not a superficial church because we saw people get healed here. Just, just that Wednesday, last Wednesday, two Wednesdays ago, that girl had a demon in here. 
manifesting that demon, and that demon said he was going to kill her. And he didn't. I knew he would. I told her, I said, you're a liar. You're not going to kill her. You're a liar, devil. You can't kill her. And we got that demon out of her. Now, it's churches, it's churches that people go to all, all over this world, all over this country, all over St. Pete, and people walking in with demons and walking back out with demons. They go, they're getting more, they add demons. Hey, what are we going to do about that? Well, they got schizophrenia. It's demons. They bipolar. It's demons. No, it's a chemical imbalance. It's demons. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, demons. Yeah, see, something happened, but the devil is using that occasion as an open door to attach himself. Yeah, I mean, we read the other night about Gideon. Gideon, the Spirit of God came on him. He went and killed a thousand men at one time. Killed a thousand men? And no PTSD? See, what's happened to church, we've resorted to the superficial, and so now we have care groups and coping groups and, and groups to help you, help, you, help you manage your issues rather than deal with your issues. So tell them what happened, Letitia, on Wednesday night. Come on, give God a praise for that. Do y'all see what I'm talking about? They weren't here. They were home, but followed the instructions. And the same anointing that was working here worked in their home. See, but if we would be, if we would be content in being superficial... Well, I just come in, it's 7 o'clock on a Wednesday, and you know, Pastor, I got to go to work in the morning, and you know, just hurry up, get me out of here at 8 o'clock. Then, then we miss out. We miss out on some things that God wants to do in our lives. And we can become so, so settled, and we can become traditional in our non-traditional selves, our contemporary uh, context, and we become traditional. And I'm going to church because it's Sunday, and I'm going to go and do my little time, then I'm going home. You have just become superficial. Get the microphone, Chris. 
You know they justify in the middle of my message, right? But we're not superficial. The testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. I'd much rather you hear Christ's testimony to verify, back, to back up what I'm telling you. Go ahead. What, what was the results? She, she, she said, I'm, and, and this is what the Lord gave me, because she said, I still feel a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord was reminding me about the same vessel. You know, and he brought that out. That's right. Um, that as they went, and so the, Lord, the Holy Ghost brought that to my remembrance. And so I told her, I said, well, as you go, you know, you'll have symptoms of healing. So you right. feel a little pain, but as you go, the pain will go away. That's right. That's right. Good. Good. Come on, give God praise for that right now. Listen to me. God has no need, no place for superficial Christianity. He needs you and me embracing the supernatural, walking in his power everywhere we go. Because I'm telling you, this generation, this young generation needs to see real power. They're being influenced by the influencers in every part of society, and the devil uses that influence to trick them into serving him. But if we can present the real Jesus, the real power, they'll come to the real Jesus because they see the real power. And so God wants every one of us to walk in that. So just like Chris said, just wherever you go, just ask. Use it. Use it. You don't have to have a keyboard and drums behind you to get the anointing. Wherever you are, use that power. Lay hands on the sick. See somebody troubled in their mind? Cast that devil out. Hallelujah. And watch what God does in their lives. Everybody stand to your feet.
Now, before we leave, anybody here, if you have pain in your body right now, we'll lay hands on you right now. You come to this altar, we'll pray for you. Any pain, any condition in your body, we'll take authority over it now. For God to heal you and deliver you. God is the healer. We're his vessels. God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. Those that are watching at home, wherever you are, I do the same thing Sister Letitia did Wednesday night. I stand right in front of that television, right in front of that computer. Hallelujah. I thank God for somebody got it. They're not even waiting on me to lay hands. They're going and doing it right now. Somebody's getting a hold of this. Somebody's getting a hold of this. They're not going to wait on pastor to do this. Somebody's getting a hold of this thing here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I like this. I like a church that's active. 